Yes, yes. We back. Conversations of the Heart. Season 2. Episode 20. Woof. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a very impactful one. It's going to be a real good one. So we got a very special guest. Sia B. Hagen. She's coming on. Oh, there she is right now. She's on time too. I love it. See where she's at. Yeah. Hey, Terrence. How are you? <laughs> Good. Good How are you? Everyone. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well in yourself. Very good, very good. Um, first, I just want to say thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I'm having um, a little bit of hard time hearing you. Give me one second. Okay. Okay, guys. What's up, Ron? Yeah, first, I just want to say thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you. Um, number two, I love the glasses. <laughs> thank you. And very, 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 very fashionable. Very fashionable. Um, I, I was like, wow, you know, I, I like that. I definitely like that. Um, so for my followers who don't know you, um, you are Sia B. Hagen, right? Right? Yep, I just want to make sure I pronounce it Sia right. Sia, excuse me. Sia B. Hagen. Okay. Um, and you are a childhood abuse survivor. We'll get that out the way first. Um, you are an author, um, an amazing author. Um, you are a mental health counselor, a wellness advocate. Uh, you have a lot of titles. Okay, um, so I definitely want to make sure that I introduce you in the right way. Um, you have a book, um, and your book is called the, the Journey Continues. It's the story stories of a survivor. Correct. Okay. okay. So and can, can you can you hear me? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so you are like really really faint. So I'm going to try something. Hold on one second. Okay. Okay. Can you Hopefully hear me now? That works. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's still very faint, but I I'm gonna try to to persevere through. Probably because I maybe I need to put ear ear um earbuds on. I don't have them, but um, I have mine. Yeah, I have mine. I'm gonna own. I'm gonna try because I can hear you, but it's it's really faint. But you can hear me fine. Correct. Okay. All right. So All right. we'll see how it goes. All right, Saya. So. So I introduced you, but I want you to introduce yourself to the people and, and just let them know just who you are, what you're about, and then we'll go forward. Okay. So good evening, everyone. My name is Saya B. Hagen. Um, like Terrence said, I am a survivor. I'm an author and a mental health counselor as well as a wellness advocate. So I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. I was actually abused um, on two occasions when um, I was younger, one at the age of 12 and one at the age of 14. And both of them were people that I, were really, I was really close to. One was a family member. Um, I am a mental health counselor and I'm a wellness advocate. Basically, I'm really passionate about working with survivors who have endured 
any form of trauma, whether it's childhood sexual abuse, whether it's domestic violence. So that is um, the work that I do, and I'm passionate about it. And I believe that God has placed it on my heart to do this work. So here I am. <laughs> that, well, wow. Uh, well, that's a, a lot to, to take in. But before we get into, you know, the story, what I want to know is, you know, first, tell the people where they can find you. I'm going to do this in the beginning, and then we're going to do it later, too, because I want people to know where, where they can find you, where they can buy your book, your website, and everything. Go ahead. <clears throat> okay, so you said about my website and everything. Is that what you said? Yeah, um, I want people to know where, where they can find you, um, like your social okay, media where handles. Okay, can find like me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, So I am on Instagram as well as uh, Facebook. So you, you can find me at my name, Saya B. Hagen. Um, <clears throat> I also have a website, sayabhagen.com. Um I think you asked me about my book. So Absolutely. The, the yes. Journey Continues is actually on Amazon and it's also available in Barnes and Nobles um, dot com. I have two other um, groups. So I have Sanctuary for Survivors, which is an Instagram uh, page for survivors um, who want inspiration, who want uh, motivation, resources, you will find all those things there. And then I also have a closed Facebook group for women uh, survivors, and that is Survivor Sanctuary 2020. So um, that's where people can find me. Perfect. So so you said that, um, and you and you mentioned it, that you were abused at a young age. Like, how old were you? Okay, so um, I was actually abused at the age of 12 and 14 years old. Um, mm. At the age of 12, it was not so much a family member, but a really close family member. And also at the age of 14, by a family member. Um, it was it was a cousin um and the you know me having to deal with that um because i was so young right it it was it was really hard for me to kind of process that um one of the things that um my second abuser um he would try to convince me that one of the that what he was doing was to me i should say that was um it was it basically, it was nothing to be upset about. So I would be, of course, really upset. Um, and this went on for a little while. And then I would, you know, cry. And then I would try to comfort myself. And um, he would basically say to me, like, why are you so upset? Um, you shouldn't be mad. Basically, he tried to convince me that what was going on was nothing wrong. Um, and when I share that part of my um, my story, it was like I always have to say that it was nothing but God and my parents' foundation because I was I was raised in a church, right? And I knew I knew um, not I didn't know God the way I know Him now, but I knew enough about God to know that what was going on was not right. Um, and so it you know that that was really difficult to overcome. Um, but that's really how the abuse started. Um, like I said, my first abuse happened when I was 12 years old, and it was a, um, a family friend. Um, you, 
some people called us cousins because our families were so close. But it was a, it right. was a family friend. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of um, people who are abused are abused by people who know them, right? Um, very close yeah. to them, have a family of, like a, a, a close-knit family relationship with them. And um, it happens time and time again. Um, and so that was really how, um, how old I was. And um, the process to kind of start my healing journey was, uh, was, really, um, was really difficult um, because I had to kind of like um, unpack all the things that had happened to me. Um, and we know that that is, can be a process. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. Um, that, that's, that is a lot, to be honest. Wow. Um, so now some people, like when stuff like this happens to, to them, they have people like yourself who go into, you know, mental health counseling and, you know, pro providing services for people, you know, who have been abused, right? And then you have other people who say, you know what, that's not for me. And they go completely opposite away from it. So for you, what brought you to a place that you said, I want to give back and I want to provide services um, to people who were abused like me. Okay, so I think we're going to have to pause, Terrence, because I'm going to have to get some earphones because I'm, I'm still having a hard okay. time hearing you. So I'm going okay. to go off and connect okay. my earphones and I'm going to come back on if that's okay with you. Oh, that's fine. That's what you have to do. Wow. <clears throat> Ooh. All right. Um, so um, we've, we've, we've gotten a little bit of background about Saya um, and what and what she's going through. Oh, excuse me. Oh, oh what she's been through. I'm very curious to, to see the inspiration um, of, of the work that she's doing now um, and the book she's written. Um, it takes a lot of a lot of courage uh, to to put yourself out there, you know, after things like this have happened. So. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing more about her story um, and the work that she's doing, because from, from what I understand, she's doing amazing things. Um, she has a, a, another Instagram handle called um, at Sanctuary for Survivors. Um, it looks pretty amazing, you know, for, for people who, who has been abused and are looking for an outlet. Um, she has also a Facebook um, Survivor Sanctuary group, uh, Facebook group for women. Um, so it, excuse me. So if you know anybody that a, a woman that has a young girl who, who's been abused, she has a closed Facebook group privately just for women. It's a support group, so definitely uh, go check that out. That's uh, Survivor Sanctuary, <clears throat> um, and she has she has a book called The Journey Continues: Story of a Survivor. Um, so please definitely go support this woman. Um, she's doing some amazing things, and uh, she's back on. Hey Nick, what's up, Nick? Yeah, she's back on. Just waiting for her to come back. <clears throat> hey, I'm back. Yes, I can hey. hear you so much, so much better. I'm all so right, sorry right. about that. All right, and and you got the fashionable headphones too. Like you, are you out here just fashionable all over the place? All right, I see. Um. So, um. All right, so. So I, where where we left off was what, what I wanted to know was, you know, there are some people, you know, who that abuse happens to and, and they are victim of. And then 
they go away from it, right? And they go into completely different fields and, and everything else, right? Um, and then you have the people like yourself um, who actually say, you know what, I, I want to go into it and, you know, write, uh, write, and write a book about it and pro provide services for it and become a therapist and a counselor and, you know, and, th and they want to just help people who have gone through what they've gone through. So for you, you know, why come back? Why circle back, um, you know, and do the work that you're doing now? So that's so funny that you asked me that. Um, and people have asked me before whether if I did not uh, go through the abuse, would I have become a counselor? And honestly, I do not know. I do feel like it has uh, dictated the work that I do today. Um, so I am a school counselor with the New York City Department of Education, and I love working mm -hmm. with kids. Um, so I would probably say um, it did have a hand in, um, you know, me becoming a counselor, but I've always been fascinated with psychology, uh, mental okay. health, and, and counseling. Um, so um, it, it probably did uh, play a hand in it. And now as far as me writing a book, um, for those people who know me, uh, they know that I'm kind of like, I'm quiet, I'm reserved, I'm, I'm to myself. So, of course, when the journey continues was, was birthed, right, um, I knew that that would no longer be. Um, I was kind of the person that kind of stayed on the sidelines. I was the, the girl that stayed in the back of the room, and mm -hmm. I didn't really talk to anybody. I was kind of like to myself. So when God told me that he was going to have me um, publish my book, um, let me actually backtrack a little bit. So as far as my healing journey, I started writing. So I started writing my thoughts mm -hmm. down and my thoughts turned into poetry, right? Um, wow. And even uh, a couple of months before the journey continues was birthed, I was still doing poetry. Because I was just, I, I'm a person that processes all the time. And a lot of times when I process, I journal and I write things. Um, and I get revelation in different places. I get um, inspiration and revelation when I'm driving, um, all, all of that. So when it was clear to me that he wanted me to publish this book, I was like, okay, God, do you want me to really do, you really want me to do this? And I knew um when I got confirmation, like, this is what I was supposed to do. I knew that that quiet uh, to to myself uh, girl was going to be gone. And mm -hmm. I also knew that my story was going to be, you know, told for everybody to see. And so right. that was um, that was a big adjustment. That was something that I had to uh, really get used to and and still getting used to um so yeah it, it's the book kind of changed my life not kind of it did it it changed my life so wow so being as young as you were uh when these things are are happening you know kids that age you know they're they're getting ready to go into high school they're, they're thinking about you know playing outside with their friends you know it's you know it's just different things that you know kids are thinking about at that age but there you were at this young age having to deal with such a heavy, heavy burden physically, mentally, and emotionally, and, and spiritually, right? 
um, those are things that a lot of other young kids definitely cannot understand, right? You know, so so for so for you, how was that journey from the, from from that age to going through school, high school, you know, high school and things like that, and carrying this burden? You know, did you have an outlet, or did you not get an outlet until you were an adult? So I would probably say um, I I don't recall really having an outlet. So any mm-hmm. if you talk to any survivor, um, particularly mm-hmm. of childhood sexual abuse, they will tell you that there is things that they do not remember, that their mind uh-huh. has blocked out, right? Um, uh-huh. And, you know, my belief is that those things will come to you when when you're when you're mentally and physically ready to to um learn about it again or to know about it um so survivors they do black out things um and it's it's kind of like a coping mechanism as a way to protect yourself because it's just if you know if you remember so many things at one time you will kind of like It'll it'll just be overwhelming for you. So a, a lot of things I I don't remember. I do remember going to school. I do remember um, my abuser telling me that I'm you know that it's you know basically it's it's going to be over and you better not tell anybody. Um, don't dare tell anybody. But all I knew is that I was 14 and I was afraid of be, getting pregnant. Right. And so, again, I was raised I was raised in a a Christian home. Right. My parents, you know, uh, raised me with certain values and uh, beliefs. And I knew Mm -hmm. that I could not get pregnant at 14 years old. I I knew I couldn't be pregnant without being married. How about that? Because I wasn't even nowhere near an adult. Right. So let's let's just be real. I couldn't get pregnant. Right. Right. So (laughs) um, so but. That's that was like my biggest fear. And um, I share some of these things in um, my book that's that should be I pray prayerfully will be out next year. I go into more details about my story. Um, But um, I was afraid I saw myself at 14 years old and I saw myself as a as a teen mom. And that was what made me open up my mouth and I and I wanted to verbally express that to my my mom but I could not I couldn't even find the word so I had to write it down so I had to tell her through writing which I guess kind of created my you know my my story of healing it started from right then and there when I said I was going to tell but that fear was enough for me to say I need to say something so um I don't recall like how I did in in high school. I think I was mm-hmm. like pretty I did pretty well. I I dreaded coming coming home because at the time my abuser was living with us. I don't know if I shared that before. No. Um the the last my last at the age of 14, he was living with us like I said he was a family member and I dreaded coming home and that he was home. So I do remember kind of like just going, going to school and, you know, because that's what I knew. That was my job. Right. So when you're Mm -hmm. a certain age, your job is to go to school and get an education. And my parents were very big about that. Um, But I remember dreading coming home because I was afraid that he would 
he would be home. So I don't know if per se if I had an outlet. Um, if I mm -hmm. did, I, I don't remember it. Um, but I just right. knew that I dreaded coming home, and I was like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" Yeah. Wow. And you still, um, you still made it through high school. Um, you still persevered um, to college. You got your bachelor's and master's, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. You got two more, and you got two more certificates too. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, please correct me uh, if, <laughs> if I'm wrong. Yeah, you, know, you know, I did, you know, I did my little research. Um, and um, so for for one, I just want to pause pause here and just say, um, you know, for one, for for whatever it's worth, I'm very proud of you. Um, Thank you, so you know, I'm Thank just you. hearing the story. Um, I salute you and everything that, that you're doing, the work that, that you're doing, working with the youth. Um, and yes, of course, being a survivor, we always applaud the, the survivors and stuff like that. Which sometimes it's like, uh, you know, all right, but, but for you to be the woman that you are today and how strong you are, um, to even just get your goals accomplished from that age all the way through now and I just want to say I'm super proud of you um, for Thank everything you. that you've been through and everything that you that you are continuously doing today. It's amazing. Thank you, um, Thank you so much. So the, the one thing about, it's like you said, you may not have had like a safe space to really kind of, kind of express, right? Like the things that you were going through and you wrote it down finally, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Now, what did your mother, like, or your parents say, you know, because in certain situations, you know, they don't believe that mm -hmm. somebody like that can, oh, you don't know, like, that couldn't happen. Like, he's not like that. Why are you lying? And, it's, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then you have some parents that are like, oh, I, they believe you. So, so like, like, how did that, that pan out, like, for, uh, for you? Yeah, that is, um, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so important. So the first thing that want, that believers want, I mean, that survivors want to do is they want to be believed. Um, and I was, I was fortunate enough that um, when I did share it with my parents, they believed me just immediately. Um, oh, that's good. From, from that point, the things that kind of unfolded was, was, uh, was really ugly. Um, it was a, a physical conflict between my cousin and my dad because he had to leave the house. Um, but I was fortunate that my uh, parents believed me right away. Now, my parents are from the South, right? So they were born and raised yeah, in the South. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I was born here. Myself and my brother, I have an yeah. older brother. We were born here, mm -hmm. but they are from the South, right? And so we're talking about, we, this is like taboo, right? So learning that your child has been, you know, sexually abused, you know, they probably did not know how to navigate that or how to um, how to figure out how to provide support for me at the time. So it wasn't until I was older in my um, early adult years that um, I had a good friend who would say to me, um, did you ever think that maybe you may need to go to therapy? Um, mm. Because I had, I had a big um, and the reason why I didn't feel the need to go to therapy at the time, because I had, at that point, I was able to share my story, you know, to talk about it to people that I trust, right? Mm. Um, and so I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm good, right? And 
Um, I, but, you know, thinking back, I had a big mistrust for men. And I did not know where it came from. Um, mm. And one day, um, one of my friends that was close to me, and she said, well, did you ever think that they, that may have something to do with your abuse? And I was like, hmm, I never really thought about that. And mm. it was just like a, a light bulb moment. Um, mm. So those who, have, who know people who have been abused, whether it's uh, sexual abuse or domestic violence, know that trust is a big deal. You know, trust is, is, is an issue. And that's something that we constantly have to work on, have to work on um, trust issues. So um, it wasn't until I was, uh, you know, a, a young adult that I, I actually sought uh, therapy um, for it. So, mm, mm. Yeah. so I often feel, and I, always, and I, I often talk about safe spaces you know, in a different context of, you know, just, especially with men, you know, just, just having a safe space for us to express our raw emotions, like when we're hurt, when we're angry and things like that, you know, having, creating those, those spaces for your friends, your family members, you know, uh, because we all know the, the suicide rates with men and things like that. So I always talk about safe spaces in that regard, but in this regard, you know, especially for, you know, childhood abuse, uh, survivors and, and victims and things like that. And how important do you, do you think it is now, like knowing that you didn't have, I guess, that safe space at first, you know, to for like, what could we do, you know, to make, maybe start creating those safe spaces for young childhood abuse victims and things like that? Like, like, is that important? You know, I, I, I think it is, but maybe you would might know a little bit more. Like, but I feel like that, that's, that's, that's a very important too to maybe help them out around the healing process early. Um, but what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, so thank you again for, uh, for sharing that, because that's one of the things that I do talk about um, as well, not in the journey, but um, like I said, right. in, in, the, in the next book. So um, mm -hmm. one of the, I think one of the first and foremost things when it comes to parents is that they have to have a relationship with their child. They have to, mm. they have to know their son or their daughter, right? Because uh, boys get abused too, right? So you have to know your child. You have to build a rapport with your child early, not wait till they are a, a preteen or a teen. So that rapport is going to be the foundation of anything that um, may have happened, may happen to that child, um, that that door is already open for them to come and share with them. Mm -hmm. And that includes it doesn't just say, okay, I'm going to just um, ask them how their day was. So this is a constant, mm -hmm. like building a rapport with your child, getting to know him or her, asking them about their day, getting to know their friends, the people that they hang out with. And when they do that and they feel like they can come to you and talk to you about things, then something, unfortunately, if something like this happens, that they will um, be able to share that or, even so, you will see the signs um, that something is wrong. So with me, I was uh, I was really quiet. Like I said, you know, before in regards to even the book being published, that I was kind of quiet and, you know, reserved and to myself. So I was quiet and I had, of course, my parents worked, right? Um, and so, you know, I didn't really per se show too many signs. 
but it's mm-hmm. important that you establish that rapport with your child. Um, as far as being an edu- educator, being in the field of education and, and working as a school counselor, I have um, established a, a, girls, a girls group, a girls curriculum, right? And that is, mm-hmm. that is my passion work, another part of my passion work, because as a young girl, I, I suffered with low self-esteem. I didn't really love myself. Um, and that is so important to empower um, our young people, not just empower our boys, empower our girls as well, of right? Um, we mm-hmm. need to we need to uh, pour into them. We need to take time to listen to them. So um, it's, it's not just... Okay, if anything happens to you, tell me. Yep, because that's my, what my parents said. That's what a lot of parents say. But how mm. comfortable are is your child going to you when something is wrong? You know, yeah. how do you handle that as a parent? Do you do you do you scold them? Do you do you discipline them? Um, do you beat them? How do you handle that? Does your child feel like they have a voice? to say what's going on with them. And so I think that starts with uh, building a rapport. Even as a school counselor, I have to build a rapport with the students and you know that I service in my building. And so something as simple as, hey, good morning, how are you? How was your weekend? How are you doing today? Did you have breakfast? Was mm-hmm. everything okay? Like, so those are like the, those moments that you can just start that, start building that foundation. So that is true. Um, in regards to having a rapport um, with with your child, um, mm-hmm. and that's how you create that space. You know, it's not just about okay, this is a safe space because people can say that, right? But if the child doesn't feel like it's a safe space, or you know, the person doesn't feel like it's a safe space, they're not going to share. They're not going to tell you what's bothering them. So it starts with building a rapport. So I hope I. Mm-hmm. I hope I answered that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 2,000%. You absolutely um, answered that question. And, you know, sometimes, and I think it's so important because of what the work that you do, because no matter how comfortable you are with your parents and stuff like that, when you get to a certain age, even for somebody, let's just say, who, you know, who is not abused, sometimes you get too cool for your parents. Right, like you know, it's like that's you know, it's my dog, you know, it's my mom, like my dad, like we cool, you know, we could talk. But there's a certain age where you just kind of get like, I don't want to talk. I, I want to tell you everything, right? Like I, I don't want to go to the mall with you, or you know, I don't want to go to movies with you anymore. You know, I want to go with my friends and do all those things, right? So I think even if a parent can't create that safe space for for their child, and hopefully that can stay there, but if let's just say you know. The child says, you know, I don't want to, you know, go to my parents. They have somebody like you, you know, or an educator like yourself or, or you know, an, or counselor who can begin to create those safe spaces when they're not at home. Because when they're not at home, they spend most of their time at school, you know, or, or after school, school and all of those things. So those that's who's spending the most time with your kids. Right. So it's so important the work that you're doing. Because even for the kids, the, the parents that have think that they have the best communication with their kids, sometimes it's like, yeah, it sounds yeah. better coming from, from Messiah, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. or Miss Hagen, right? It, it just sounds better. You know, like how many times have we, my mom told me something 
And I was like, all right, mom, cool. And then, you know, somebody that's I can relate to a little bit more, right, says the same exact thing. And and I'm like, mom, you know what they told me? And mom's like, you know, what? Like, yo, I, I told you this a long time. Get out of here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, it just, you know, yeah, but it sounds so different coming from somebody who is, we know is older, but not that much older, right? Yeah. You know, as, like, a parent, uh, per se, who might dress a little cooler, um, can relate to our music a little bit more, right? I think, you know, so that's so important, too. So th this is a great work that you're doing, too. So, again, thank you for the work that, you, that you're doing because I think it's making a big impact, too. Um, can I just so ask to, sure, can I just Sure, ask please. So, please. In, in addition to that, um, like, of course, uh, as parents, to, to build a rapport with your child, but also know when you know, there's that auntie or uncle that they like to, to talk to who they can trust. And maybe if mom and dad can't, you know, if they don't feel comfortable sharing it with mom and dad, because like you said, as they get older, they may not want to. Um, that mm -hmm. that one family member, right, or that one person in school, whether it's a school counselor, which, you know, ideally it would be, or a teacher, mm -hmm. that one, you know, just those few people in that child's life that they can um, say, you know what? Yes. If I, something was going on, I would go talk to, you know, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. And this is something that we asked, you know, the kids in school, like it, who is that one person you can trust? If there was something going on, who would you go to? And as mm. long as that child says, you know, gives you at least one person in the building, particularly if you have a child who it's like you're not getting through to them and they're not opening up to you. Then it's like, hey, and this was one of the things that I do. So who do you like to talk to if you have a problem? And I may have to go get that person, you know, and mm -hmm. that person may have to be sitting next to me until that child says, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable enough now to talk to, um, you know, Miss Hagen. But you know, it doesn't always work out the way that we want to. So the child may not always go to their parent. Um, but having those people in in their lives who they can say, okay, I can talk to, you know, so-and-so, you know, when something is bothering me. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, how um, I was going to ask something else, but before I said, how important – do you think it is to have, um, especially in the black and brown community, to have um, guidance counselors and school counselors that look like us? Yeah. So I can go about guidance counselors and school counselors all day long. Um, I've been a school counselor for about 18 years um, mm -hmm. with New York City, and I absolutely love what I do. Um, and particularly with Working in, the, like you said, the, the black and brown communities, um, students are looking to to find, I would say, first and foremost, one, a person that's going to hear them and then also or is going to listen to them and a person that looks like them. I, I think it's important for and we see this unfolding right Um you know, throughout our world. Our, our girls are looking for role models that look like them. Right. Um, and it's the same thing with our school communities. You know, it's important that they see people who are doing things that they may want to do or people who are successful, even if they don't see it within their own family unit. They may, you know, they can 
they can see it in their, you know, in their school community. So I think it's really, really important um, um, that they see a representation of who they are, you know, or what they mm -hmm. look like in, in the school community. So I, I think it's really crucial. But I also think it's even more so is having, making that space and time to listen. And so they can feel like they are, they are hurt. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I think also for us, I think having like, cult like cultivating more of these conversations, um, mm -hmm. you know, I know sometimes, you know, well, you're from the South or your parents from the South. So, you know, like it's always a thing with us where it's like what happens in this house stays in this house. You know what I mean? Like, and all of this stuff that that happens, you know, um, and then what ends up happening is what happens in this house stays in the house and then repeats in the house for generations to come. And it stays in your lineage, right, for years to come. And I think to, ha to be open enough and to be vulnerable enough like you are doing um, mm -hmm. and how you stepped into the arena and to be vulnerable to say, you know, this did happen to me. And I want to be open about it and share my story to cultivate, you know, healing for the mm -hmm. community and mm -hmm. for the youth. So mm -hmm. that's why I say, you know, not just the fact that you survived, you know, you know, the childhood abuse, but also the fact that you stepped into the arena. So, you know, that's the second part of it. It's the stepping into the arena uh, enough to be vulnerable to, to cultivate healing for others. Now, that, to me, is something to be applauded. And again, I just want to give you your flowers and, appla and applaud you for that as well, because it takes a lot to do what you're doing. Yeah, um, thank you. Because there's, because there's triggers, right? You know, and it's like grief. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. pe and, and people think that there's like a timetable on grief, and it's not. People can get triggered 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Things can trigger people, Right. Um, so to be active in the space that you're active in right now, it could be a constant trigger for you versus somebody who, who decided, you know, I'm going to go be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and I'm just going to just do, you know, I'm just going to do that and be successful and whatever. Right. And which is, that's absolutely their right. Of course. Mm -hmm. Right. But, yeah. but to do the work that you're doing can be very triggering for you. And yeah. some might even say, you know, can it stunt your growth for, for healing a little bit, right? Like, you know, like on our evolution of healing, still, you're always constantly healing, you're learning, you're growing. Is being in this space prohibiting you from completely healing or is it facilitating your growth for healing, right? Um, I don't yeah. know, right? I mean, you would know the answer to, 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 to that question, Um but either way, I think it's courageous, um, but it's the triggers for me, right, that makes me think about the work that you're doing and saying, man, like, is she okay when she's doing this work, right? So, you know, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I would definitely, um, before I even answer that, I just want to, I just want to go back and address something you said about, um, you know, the, the black community and black families, mm -hmm. how we we don't share things. What goes what goes on in the house stays in the house. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of feel like you've been in my book and in my soon I feel like you kind of been combing through the pages, right? <laughs> because I, I definitely have a a poem in there called Family Secrets. 
um, from oh, the journey. And it talks about how, you know, we don't talk about things um, in, in our families, right? So in, in, our, in our communities, our black and brown communities, we don't talk about things because we are raised to be proud. We are, learned, we are raised to, to not share things that are going on in the house. And, and that hinders our healing. Right. It hinders our healing. It, it it causes us to carry things too long. Um, and mm. and so that and, and that's the same reason why black and brown people don't seek therapy. It's the same reason. So I, I don't even want to go. I don't even want to go there because, you know, that's a whole different kind of conversation. But um, it's the nah, same. Reason why we, <laughs> it's the same reason why we don't we don't seek therapy. And so. We have to know, like, I'm not saying that everybody needs to know our business, but we, we have no. to know when it is time to, to share things that are hurting us, that are stunting our growth, that's hindering our healing. We need to know um, when it's time to share that because everything uh, should not be kept a secret. Um, so I just wanted to comment on that. So as, as far as my healing and doing this work um it does not hinder it, it it does not hinder my healing i always say that healing is a process it's not instantaneous it's a journey and we're always healing and as i said earlier as survivors some things we may not even realize um until like i said uh, we're mentally and physically able to handle it and so we we you know we may remember stuff that we did not remember before. Um, mm. And so as we as that happens, we have to then address it. Um, but I, I think for me, number one, I believe that I'm healed because I believe God healed me. And, you know, right. and when I when the journey first birth, uh, was birthed, um, that's one of the things that I will continue to say um, Yes, I did the work. I did go to therapy. I, I did journal, but God is a healer and he healed me. So that's mm -hmm. number one. And if he mm -hmm. called me to this work, then he's going to sustain me through this work. Um, mm. So, and I do, I do understand about triggers because triggers happen all the time. And um, as survivors, you're going to have triggers. So, but you have to know how to prepare for your triggers. Um, and I don't know if that kind of makes sense because you may think that like, it's a trigger and you may you may not see it coming, but you may you know that you will have triggers. So how am I going to handle triggers when they come? Do you have mm -hmm. a community of support? Do you have an accountability partner or a partner you can call and say, hey, listen, I'm having a bad day or I was just triggered. And something mm -hmm. as simple as going to the doctor's office, right? Or something as simple as a smell can bring you back to a, a place of your abuse. There's all kinds of triggers. But yeah. um, one of the things that I advocate for, um, particularly with the survivors that I support, is planning, having a plan. So when you are dealing with the trigger, you know, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and thank you for clarifying that, too. Um, and I'm glad to know that, too. Um, and preparing for your triggers, too. I think that's that's something that's, that's really great that you just said, too. Um, and having a plan for that. Um, mm -hmm. Because a lot of us know that we have triggers, but we don't but we don't plan for them. It's kind of like, all right, you know, we just know that we can be triggered. Right. So um, that's very that, that's very, very good. So when it comes to 
mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's all a part of like the healing process. I know that it affects your mental. I mean, it, how can it not affect your mental mm-hmm. health, right? I, I, I mean, most of us, even you know, as far as the Black and Brown community, like we're actually born into the red when it comes to mental health, <laughs> right? Um, just with family dysfunctions and just with you know the poverty lines and things like that. So we're already brought into the world in certain in a certain way, right? So you go through all these things, and then you go through what you went through, um, yeah. and th- and then you don't get to therapy until, like you said, um, as an adult, right? So mm-hmm. as of right now. Right. If there was a, a a woman, let's just say she was 21 years old and she's a survivor and she comes to you and, and says, Ms. Hagen, look, um, I'm not really good with my mental health right now. Like, what would you tell me? Like, what advice would you give me to get my mental health in, in order? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I would definitely um, ask what what is your support network look like? You know, do you have people that you can talk to? Have you tapped into um, a therapist? Um, And if those answers are no, then um, what I do is I try to give a referral to anybody who is in need of um, therapy and resources. There's resources on my website. Um, There's a list of resources that anybody can go to. And it's, you know, it's there for them. And whenever... I'm doing anything like this I or any kind of conversation, you know, I always say if you are in need of resources, you can always reach out to me. And depending if I'm doing um, a topic, um, let's just say um, maybe suicide awareness uh, month and I'm having a conversation about that, I'm giving the resource at the end and I'm, I'm putting it so that people can see it. So I'm, I'm a big believer in resources. I need to have a pool of resources for the work that I do, even um, with the Department of Education. And I am always sure to have resources for survivors. Um, I also point them to different things that's going to help them in their healing journey, whether it's articles, whether it's instrumental music, whether it's workshops. I always believe in giving resources. So the first question I would ask is, um, particularly if it's in a, you know, a sexual abuse situation or a domestic violence situation. Are they in a safe, safe place? You know, yeah. are, are they mm-hmm. safe? Um, do they have a support network? Um, you know, and then providing resources from there. And it's all about what can I do to help you? So particularly when it comes to D, DV, domestic violence, or um, IPV, which is in a partner violence, which is the new term, um, we always want to empower the person who is being victimized, the per- the survivor, right? So it's not about, oh, here, I have this for you, I have that for you. It's about what can I do to support you? What can I do to help you? Because you always want them to feel empowered that their choice is their choice, even if their choice is to go back to where they, to where they were in that um, abusive situation. Because a lot of people don't know um, those individuals who are in domestic violence situations, their chance of um, dying or being extremely hurt um, increases when they decide to leave their abuser, right? So it's always about Mm -hmm. empowering the person who is surviving the situation and saying, how can I support you? And providing resources if that's what they want and that's what they need. Um, Mm. 
And so, yeah, I just wanted to, to say that. Awesome. So speaking of, of resources, is there any, so do you think that there's enough resources for young teens or, you know, young adults over the age of 10 um, or younger, just, or with kids or, or teenagers, young adults, um, do you think there's enough resources for them out there? I, yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's ever enough resources. I always think that you can have resources, particularly for, um, you know, that age group. Uh, although yeah. they may have a, a wealth of resources for other things, when we're talking about abuse, um, you know, I, I feel like there can never be enough resources. It's already a battle for survivors as it is because, you know, as we've seen over the last couple of years, of survivors coming forward and sharing their stories, even as adults, right? It's the whole thing right. is they're not believed, right? Um, we've seen it time and time again. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. And every time one of those things starts to unfold, it's like starting from scratch again, you know, starting right. from scratch and like, okay, here we go again, you know, not being believed. And so, what that does, in my opinion, that survivor who has never told their story, they just mm -hmm. withdraw even more and say, you know what, I'm not saying anything, you know, so it, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, that's what it does. Yeah, that's what mm. it does. So, so I don't think there's well, enough resources. Yeah. Yeah, cause I, you know, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I think I find that the adults have, you know, not, I won't say a, a whole lot, but they have a lot you know, and whether it be therapy, just a lot of just, just, just different things. And just thinking about how fragile, you know, a young person can, can be right. You know, at that age, um, some people go into a tailspin, you know, some people don't end up, you know, as, as great as you are. Right. And, and doing the things that, that you're doing and, and came out all, and came out pretty, pretty damn good. If I say so myself with you, right. Um, that's not everybody's story. You know, so sometimes it's just like, well, for for those people that don't have as good a story or didn't have the support or didn't have those type of parents, you know, what resources do they have, right? Like, like how could they have gotten help, you know? And I, I guess that's where my mind goes to uh, as well, mm -hmm. is how could we have gotten to those young people? Um, but I guess you're right, too. Like, you know, um, there's there's no such thing as, as too many resources, you know? Um, yeah. So that's that's something to actually think about too. Just what, what more that, that we can do. Um, and, and for me, I'll point every, everybody to, to your Facebook page as far as like your private group, um, as far as, cause I know it's only for women. So, you know, um, definitely can point people out to, you know, if, yeah. I, if I know anybody uh, to your support group too. So um, I, I really want people to go out and get your book. Um, so for the people who joined in, you know, on the second half, of this, please tell the people again where they can get your, your book. Also, let them know about your clubhouse as well. Um, oh. oh, we missed that part. Um, I yeah. remember we, oh, we missed that part. So yeah, just yeah. just let the pe people know. Yeah. So um, the journey continues. Uh, Stories of a survivor. It's available on Amazon. It's also available on Barnes and Noble. Um, like you said, that that I do have a closed Facebook group. Facebook book group um, mm -hmm. called Survivor Sanctuary 2020. That is only for women. However, Sanctuary for Survivors is the Instagram page, and that is open for everyone. And 
there you will find, like I said, inspiration, resources. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do chats that, that are there. Um, I am on also on Clubhouse. I have a, a wellness um, chat room every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Time. So I'm excited about that. Uh, this uh, actually yesterday because yesterday was Wednesday. Um, we mm-hmm. talked about redefining self-care, and we had a awesome conversation about that. So, yeah. I missed that one. I missed that one. <laughs> that that, that would have been a really good one to get on for, uh, uh, for, for me, but I always try to get on whenever I see you on there. Um, and it's the same handle? Same, yep. The same handle? Yep. Same. Outside. All right, so same handle. Yeah. Um, and please go out. Please, please, please go out and purchase the book, the journey continues, please. Um, if, if even if you're not a, a survivor and if, if you know somebody, please gift, gift them this, this book. And if honestly, you just might want to just read it yourself just to understand and just to, to get an education on what goes on um, with being a, a survivor. Uh, but again, Saya, I just want to say thank you for everything that, that you're doing. Thank you for everything that you are to the world, to, and to these kids. Um, you know, we really need more people like you uh, in this world. Thank you so much for everything. Um, and I'm sure that we're going to do this. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm sure that we're going to do this again. Uh, we're going to figure out some, you know, another good topic to get on. But thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for thank being you. vulnerable. We re- I really do appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap um, for episode number 20 of season two. Be back again next week having another incredible uh, discussion. So, yo, listen, man. Salute y'all. It's your boy, T-Tail. Peace.